Welcome to the St. Patrick Catholic Community Podcast in Scottsdale, Arizona. We are Christian Disciples in Mission. Um, but anyway, again, my name is Megan Pope. I'm the Social Justice and Outreach Coordinator here at St. Patrick's. Um, today joining me is um, Jacob Duresha, and Jacob was recently hired on uh, staff here at St. Pat's a couple of months ago to be um, a new youth minister here, and he is originally from Albuquerque, New Mexico, just got finished with his master's at Boston College, so brings a lot of knowledge to us as well, so um, we both look forward to sharing with you today. Um, just kind of a brief overview of what we're going to be talking about today is um, what's on your name tag is, is Catholic social teaching. So it might be something you've heard of, it might be something you know a lot about, or something that's kind of new to you. But basically, Catholic social teaching is um, a series of documents that's been put out by the church um, that kind of just shows us what it means to have dignity of life and what it means that human beings have dignity and what it means to work for the common good. What, like our name tag says, we call this session game plan. Basically what it is is a game plan for what a just society would look like. What would that ideal world where God's love is spread, where um, people are cared for, where people aren't in pain, what does that society look like and how do we get there? So it really is kind of a game plan for us as Christians. Personally, I think it's one of the best kept secrets of the Catholic Church. There's so much wisdom in these, um, in these documents about Catholic social teaching, so much um, good stuff that I think people don't realize is part of the Catholic tradition, that we really have all these good, deep teachings of what it means um, to see the dignity in each human, to, to live that out, to support that in each person, and to build up this society that I think God envisions for us. So to break that down, we're going to go over, there's kind of seven main principles, and that's what's on that worksheet. So we're going to kind of work through those today. Um, but another thing we teach here at St. Patrick, which you might have seen, and it kind of goes with our theme this year of being grounded, um, but we teach that we walk with two feet when it comes to social justice. So Jacob's going to break that open just a little bit of what that means to walk with two feet. So we have what's called the two feet of love in action. <coughs> and I don't know if there's any sports players in here, but I love to play soccer. So I think of it as like an analogy here. So let's say, you know, I'm playing soccer. I'm playing with my team. We're doing a great job. We're passing the ball, everything, and we pass it up to the striker. She's dribbling. She's getting past the everyone. She's about to shoot. And then someone comes in and slide tackles her. She does like a flip, and she breaks her ankle. She's bleeding. And at that moment, you know, she needs to be bandaged up, right? And she also needs, we need to think about getting her surgery so that she can get back in the game so her leg gets better, right? So her being bandaged up is these charitable works, the basic needs that are immediate right away, right? And then also a little bit in charity and also a little bit in justice, we need to think about getting her that surgery so that she can get back into the game because she's a key player on our team. And thinking about the people in our society who might be on the margins, who might be excluded from society for whatever reason, thinking about what are their basic needs and how maybe do we need to help give them surgery so that they can get back in the game. But also on the other end of this, the social justice piece, we have to think about, okay, maybe talking to the ref or creating some sort of rules and regulations and guidelines within the game that stop this from happening again, maybe a no-slide tackling rule for this instance or for that instance, so this person doesn't get injured in the future. Um, so we have these social justice and charitable works, and I invite you, you know, as we go through these seven pillars, to think about how they go hand in hand or foot in foot, so to speak. Now, with that being said, we, if we could ask you a question, 
give you about five minutes to talk about this. Turn to your neighbor, to your left. If you don't like the one to your left, maybe turn to the one to your right. <laughs> How have the ideas of charity and justice played into your faith life up until now? We'll give you about five minutes to discuss this question. Yeah, well, justice work can be hard, and it can, be, uh, it can take time, and we don't always see results. So I think that's something we'll keep in mind, and we'll talk about at the end, too, of how prayer plays, plays a role in that, because it's not easy work, and um, sometimes it's challenging. And yes, it can be very rewarding, as I'm sure some of your sh stories you shared today were, um, but there can also be challenges. So um, let's, uh, before we get back into that, though, let's, let's take a look at these seven different principles of Catholic social teaching. We're going to have them up here as well. You're welcome to follow along on the sheets we've given you. Um, the very first one is um, the life and dignity of the human person. So this is kind of the foundation of all social teaching. So you'll see this throughout all of the six that follow. This is a foundation. But basically, the church teaches that all human life is sacred. I mean, it's as simple as that, that we are made, we are from God, we are in his image, we are a reflection of him, and that gives us all inherent dignity, not something that we earned, not something that um, we get more of with good behavior or that goes away from us with bad behavior, but that we all have this inherent human dignity. And if we start with that as a starting place um, to look at how, how we act in the world, how we interpret all these ideas of Catholic social teaching, that is our foundation, that we all have that inherent human dignity. And then when we're out in the world and in real world situations or kind of looking at things that may seem a little gray or, you know, get messed up with politics or stuff like that, like things can get kind of, you know, um, blurry out there, but if we can kind of strip everything away and weigh things up against the idea of is this enhancing or threatening life and the dignity of life? That's kind of our measure for, for what we should do and what we shouldn't do. Is this enhancing the dignity of life or is this threatening it? And if we use that as kind of um, the, you know, the touch point of, of, of how, we, how we live our lives and what decisions we make. Um, I just wanted to share one little personal story from my own life that's kind of helped me, you know, made this, made this principle real in my life. Um, go ahead, Jacob. This is um, my two sisters and I, and that guy in the back is my uncle, who I've grown up with my whole entire life. He is um, the sister of my, sorry, the brother of my mother. And um, he was born with um, developmental disabilities, and he's got a number of different mental illnesses. And he has um, been in and out of group homes his entire life. He has not been able to hold jobs, held a job over here. He's been moved around. He's, he's not had an easy life. Um, and I love him to death. He brings us a lot of joy. He also brings us um, a lot of trials at certain times. And um, he, I have my phone on Do Not Disturb right now because he calls me about 25 times a day. Um, God bless him. We love him. But in... in in the grand scheme of things, like here in Scottsdale, Arizona, if you ask, you know, like what, what gives a person value and dignity, it's not the things that he has. He's not productive in society. He's not, you know, doing those things that we normally think of that's like, oh, that person is really, you know, bringing value to the world. But there's something that I've learned from growing up with him that's something different than what the world teaches. And it's the dignity that God gives us that doesn't always look like what everything else, you know, what we think it's supposed to look like, but it's different, and there's something to be learned from it. There's something to be gained from all life, no matter what it looks like 
um, that there's, there's kind of a different thing we as Catholics and Christians judge um, dignity and value on. And my uncle's really taught uh, me that in my life, and I think um, we all probably know someone or some situation like that where you know that, that life has dignity and value even if it doesn't measure up to the world's standards. So I'm going to move on to Jacob for number two here. Number two, the call to family, community, and participation. So we're all called to be a part of a family, whether that's like your household unit, and we're also called to be a part of a community, just like the St. Patrick's Catholic community. And we're also called to participation, to be active and participate in our family, in our community, in society. So this reminds me of, um, call me Father Mark, two points. Um, first one, um, like Megan said, uh, I just finished a, a graduate program at Boston College. One of the, the classes we took was pastoral care of the family. And one of the topics that we discussed was um, incarceration. And a lot of the times when someone's incarcerated, it impacts the family who's outside of the bars, behind the bars, more than the people inside that are locked up. <coughs> so point number two, this reminds me of an immersion experience I had in New Orleans where we studied the school-to-prison pipeline where looking at instances of certain populations of people who go to the school and da-da-da-da-da and they end up a lot of the population ends up in the prison, right? So one of the things that we did in this immersion experience was we got to go to the courthouse and see a bunch of different trials. And one of the trials we saw, we, we just happened to walk in on that day, was a murder trial. This guy was on trial for, for murdering someone. They're, they're, they're charging him. Now, the morality of this will be a topic for a different discussion, but the, he was on trial, so he had been behind bars for about five months, separated from his family. And about, you know, halfway through the day or whatever, um, they had a little bit of a break, a gap. Um, people were getting coffee and things like that. And then he got to actually meet back up with his family, who they hadn't seen each other for five months face-to-face -face without the bars in between. Um, so they got to chat. They got to hug. They got to exchange um, conversation. And then after once the time was up, they separated back out. And I still remember, you know, as they were walking away, his little son and his, and his mom or his aunt or whoever other family members were there, they told him, that was awesome. Didn't you get to see your dad? He looked just like Superman. And so what I believe that she was doing in that moment was living out this pillar, the call to family, in a situation where their family had been disrupted, deteriorated because of the criminal justice system in one particular instance. Next one. Okay. All right, so the third principle is the idea of rights and responsibilities. Um, so the idea behind this is that we all have um, a right to life, that uh, the Catholic Church teaches that every human that's born has a right to life, and that we also have a right to the things um, that are required for human decency. So food, clothing, all that kind of um, stuff, we believe that it's, it's our right as humans to have that. And at the same time, while we have a right to that, those of us that have been more blessed with that than others also have the responsibility to make sure that other people's needs are met. So we have rights and we have responsibilities. We have the responsibility to one another. We have responsibilities to our families. And we have responsibility con to contribute to society and to the common good. Um, I just wanted to use a little bit of an example from something we do here at St. Patrick's. Um, we do every year... For those of you who have been around, know we do the water drive for a couple um, months right before summer starts so we can load up the water um, for people that don't have it. And 
sometimes this kind of conflicts. I had a couple conversations with people last year who were like, you know, we're really contributing to all this plastic and like, it, wh why don't we give them reusable water bottles? And um, it's, a great, it's a great point. It honestly is. It's a great point that, yes, we are contributing to another principle we're going to talk about later, the care for God's earth. But if we stop and we take a look back and see, like, things like that have been tried. And um, they've set up water stations for people to fill up water bottles, but they end up using them for bathing themselves and stuff like that because they don't have that. So this conversation I had last year was, you know what, that's a really, really good point, but it's, it's kind of our responsibility. Let's take the responsibility off the people who don't have the resources and the privilege that we have, and let's take on that responsibility for them. So why don't we say this year, I'm going to donate a bottle of water to those people that don't have it, and then I'm going to stop buying water for this year, and I'll use the reusable water bottle because I'll take on that responsibility and not put that on the person that doesn't have the resources. Does that make sense? So it's, you know, it's kind of like, I mean, I don't want to say common sense, but it's like we have to realize the blessings that we've been given and then with that take on that responsibility for the people that haven't been given those things or don't have these basic rights to life that we um, kind of take for granted sometimes. And many of you maybe have, have been in a situation where you haven't had those basic rights to life and you know what that feels like, but for the most part, I'm assuming that most of us living where we live in the country that we live in, um, we have a lot of responsibility. Um, you know, with great privilege comes great responsibility. So I think that's um, really what this pillar is trying to teach us here is that um, really we need to look at other people like that first, that first pillar and see, I see God in you, you see God in me, and how can I um, use the things that I've been given, take on that responsibility um, to make sure that your rights and your uh, needs are met. Option for the poor and vulnerable. Anyone in here have any medical experience working in the medical field? Oh, sweet. Okay. So my mom is a nurse. She's actually just recently became a nurse practitioner. And she's always telling me about the wide range of patients that she gets in the hospital, um, in the emergency room, from someone who comes in with a sniffly nose with a little bit of a cold to the person who maybe broke their leg or needs immediate, immediate attention. And... You know, when we look at this option for the poor and vulnerable and look at the hospital scene, we need to think about, you know, okay, when we're working in a hospital, we have to care about the person who needs it the most first. It's not that we don't care about this person who has a cold, who has a sniffle. We do, but this person needs our direct attention as soon as possible. Otherwise, something bad could happen. And that's the same way that we have this option for the poor and vulnerable in the same way that we believe that God works. God works through us. For those people who are most marginalized, those people who need it the most, and hopefully that we can get them the resources that they need the soonest. So, Lisa Cahill is a uh, theologian at Boston College, and she, she suggests, she takes this a little s another step deeper, um, that it shouldn't just, just be the option for the, for the poor and vulnerable. She says it should be the option with and the option of. Right? So it's not just like me with a lot of resources, with a lot of capability to help, just blindly giving to those people who don't have as much. It should be with them. It should be a conversation. It should be a partnership, thinking about how can I help you? Let me listen to your needs and what, what ways can I use my resources to help you? 
And now this reminds me of a story that um, a few months ago I had the opportunity to travel to North Carolina um, to do some work with the youth group um, at a, a Vincentian Paris. And this parish in particular was working with, uh, their population was a very low income community of people. And one of the families that, that, that was within the parish had a, had a need that the Vincentian community helped them with. Um, they needed an appliance for their house, right? But what he told me, the priest told me that he didn't just give them this appliance because that would have kind of been a scoff at them um, and their particular culture. What he did is ask for a certain sort of exchange, right? So this was during sort of close to Christmas. So he asked the family if, hey, why don't you help set up the nativity scene and then we'll make that a, your exchange for this appliance. So it was a sort of empowerment so that there was a little bit of dignity involved. It wasn't just giving that, that handout. So option for the poor and vulnerable. All right, so the next principle is um, the dignity of work and the right of the workers. So um, recognizing that um, we all need to work um, to support ourselves and that there are um, certain rights that we need to protect for workers. And um, again, goes back to recognizing the dignity in the human person and how that plays out in what we do for a living and how we support ourselves. Um, so I think the, the best way for us to think about this is really, um, you know, some of us, like just, or sorry, like Jacob was talking about earlier, um, there's charity and there's justice aspects to all these things that we're talking about. So some of us might go do the justice work in this area, may, maybe advocate for workers or, or protest or kind of stuff like that. But um, there's also some things we can do even if you're not going to do that because the decisions we make every day with, with, our, with our money and our wallet also um, support these things. So it can kind of be even just thinking about it could be the first step. Thinking about the things we own and where they come from. Kind of tracing that back um, to where exactly that came from. Who made this shirt that I'm wearing today? You know, we kind of do that with our coffee and our, and our Just Chocolate Ministries. Um, we can trace it back to who made it. How were they treated um, while they were making it? You know, were they, be pay were they being paid a, f a just wage? Um, these are all things that the church teaches that, that should be important to us and that we should care about. And um, for me, sometimes I, I can get um, overwhelmed with the issues that are going on in the world, and I kind of get like, oh, there's so many problems, like, just forget it, I'm going to curl up in a little ball and not worry about any of it, and I'm just going to buy whatever I want and, you know, not think about it. Um, because it's like, oh, well, if I buy this shirt, you know, it's made in a sweatshop, and then I feel guilty, and, and so I get overwhelmed. But I think that, for me, a solution has been that you just kind of start small. Start maybe with thinking about your coffee, you know, thinking about one little aspect in your life and kind of let it grow from there. Um, even just, like I said, the first step can just kind of be thinking about it because we, being so separated from all that stuff, kind of sometimes can forget that um, things don't just appear out of nowhere, you know? There's workers behind it. Um, maybe it's a commitment to start eating, you know, more locally or buying fair trade or kind of looking into the companies that you support. That's one way that we can really live out this principle um, one step at a time. And again, like I do to myself, don't do. Don't get like hard on yourself that you have to do it in everything, but you can take small steps to really say, you know what, this is part of my Catholic faith too. What I do matters. Where I spend my money matters. Um, the church teaches that, you know, just as much as, as all, you know, the, the prayer and that things, the actions that we take matter as well. And that includes um, respecting the people that, that give us the things in our life that, that 
we take for granted every day. Solidarity. So last summer I had the privilege and the opportunity to do um, to go on an immersion trip, a program, an immersion trip to South Dakota. It was a Native American reservation on the Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe, and this Native American reservation was probably one of the lowest income places, um, maybe even one of the poorest places in the United States. Um, I think, if I remember correctly, from one of the videos we watched beforehand, they 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 live off of maybe a thousand dollars a year as a as a household unit. So me and the people that I went there with, going into that situation, us with a lot of resources, uh, a lot more in our lives, going to a place where there was a lot less, and starting these relationships, having conversations, becoming, you know, attuned to the needs of these people, stepping into their shoes is solidarity. Now... <coughs> So solidarity is, you know, when we step into these shoes and recognizing that we're still all one body despite our differences, one body in Christ, right? We're sisters, we're brothers, all right? Now, it's also important to, you know, as we step into these places, as, as we've been mentioning earlier, um, to step in with an open heart, with an open mind to the needs of others and realize, you know, maybe when we step away, like for me, for me, for instance, I'm really far away from South Dakota now, what the heck can I even do, right? So one of the things when I was there was they were talking to us about a story about Nestle that had this huge business plan, this huge business deal um, that they were going to use the, the Cheyenne River, um, which would have been awesome, great, but the only downside was that it would have polluted the river for all these people that, that lived on this Native American reservation. Um, and when, when, you know, standing in solidarity with these people who are our brothers and sisters, who are friends like my friend Xavier or my friend Carmelo or Ford who are over there who would be directly impacted, you know, the least that I can do is maybe to do something or maybe even to not do something, and for instance, like boycott this or, do or not do that as an act of solidarity. Because I, 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 from my perspective, I could partake in this say, so to speak, Nestle, and in turn that might hurt someone else. Or I could also not partake in this, and it could help my friends and my brothers and sisters who are the most marginalized. So that's an example of solidarity. And then the final, whoops, oh, you want to talk yeah, about Yeah, I forgot about this. <laughs> um, this is just, just kind of a fun point. Um, when I was on the reservation, um, I, people tell me I look a lot like Jesus here, but on the reservation they said I look like Aquaman, so I dressed up like Aquaman for a day. So that's that. <laughs> All right, I was like, that was not part of my slide. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the final one is care for God's creation. And um, I mean, you've probably heard this example before, but I'll just share it again. But uh, the way we can look at this is to think about a gift you've given to somebody. And um, you put a lot of care and effort into it. Maybe you even made it. You wrapped it up. You gave it to them. And they just kind of took it and, like, threw it away, like how we would feel. And I think that's a kind of a good way to look at, like, how we walk on this earth and how the things that we do is this, this, this world is, is God's gift to us. This world, this creation, the animals, the beautiful state we live in here, um, all the different places across this country and across the world um, that are gorgeous, it's God's gift to us. And um, we can see God in nature, we can uh, find him there, and we can also... Um, 
I, I, for me, I don't know, uh, everyone's spirituality is different, but for me, that's where my spirituality is most alive, in, and I see God in, in that gift that he's given to us of the world. So as Christians and as Catholics, we're really asked, just as we're stewards of our money, we're asked to be stewards of the world as well, to take good care of it. Um, Genesis tells us to till and keep the land, and sometimes we do a much better job of tilling it than keeping it. So um, I think that we have to recognize that that's part of our faith too, how we treat the world, the world sustains us. Um, it gives us our food. It gives us our water. It supports us. So um, our s the way we are stewards of that is part of our faith as well. So, um, you know, on a practical level, it's, it can be just, again, like I said, small things that we do. Um, recycling. This might be small steps. People who own bigger companies, it might be bigger things. Making decisions that um, maybe are kind of tough sometimes, but that are better um, for the world on a whole. So I think we need to keep in mind when, um, when we talk about social issues that, that people are important and the dignity of a human person, but that the earth plays a role in that too. The world that we live in um, plays into, into what we believe as, as Catholics and as Christians. Yeah, we have to be careful with that kind of stuff. All right, you can go ahead. So we started off um, today with a little analogy um, with the two feet, the social justice and, um, sorry, the justice and the charity. Um, another analogy I've heard, and I don't want to like confuse you like there's two, there's three. It's just like different ways to look at it and different ways to think about how you go forth. So an analogy I've heard is um, the analogy of the swollen stream, which is kind of like a stream that maybe a, a mountain, all the snow melted, and now it's filling up with way more water than it's supposed to. So if we kind of imagine um, people stuck in this swollen stream, there's kind of three levels that we can look at. So the first level, and you'll see how this kind of relates to the two feet as well. In the first level, we really need people who are going to go get those people who are drowning and get them out, right? Because if we don't help them, they're going to drown. So we need to get them out. Um, so at this level, and you can think about it in ministry too, this kind of ministry is like the hands-on ministry, the charity. We're going to the the food, uh, the Andre house tonight because people don't have food and they need to eat today. So that's what we're going to do is we're going to feed them because they're hungry. So this level of ministry is um, we don't really need it to be very well educated. I mean, not that you can't do it if you are educated, but you know what I'm saying? You, it doesn't take anything more than a big heart. If you have a big heart, you can do this level of ministry. Okay. And um, it it's just really requires a little bit of giving of your time or your money. And so that's kind of the first level. We need to pull these people out so they don't drown. On the second level, we need people who are going to either help people stay away from this stream so they don't fall in, or we need people who can bring in some canoes and teach them how to, you know, how to stay safe, how to keep rowing in this kind of swollen, dangerous stream. So these are kind of ministries of like healing and education. So people who maybe are down at Andre House, but are also working with people to educate them. How can, how can I help you, you know, get out of this situation? How can I help you in your healing and in your pain right now? Um, giving people the skills they need to maybe not fall in, or if they're already in, the skills they need to kind of stay safe while they're in there. So these are really ministries that empower people, give them dignity um, when they're maybe stuck in a situation that they don't want to be in. We educate them, we empower them. And then the kind of the third level is um, we really need some people that are going to go to the very top of the stream and build a dam so that we can stop 
this from drowning people in the first place. So this is kind of what we were talking about with justice, advocacy, organizing, speeches, letter writing, all that kind of stuff. Um, this, this does require a little bit more education, involvement, self-confidence, because it kind of, it takes a lot to, to go at it from that level. Um, but it's kind of like knowing how systems work, knowing who we need to talk to, who, how can we access, you know, who's at the top of this system and actually make some change. And so the idea here is not that like level three people are better than level one people, but the idea is that we need people working at all these levels. And sometimes in justice work, I, I think people, um, we can kind of even get into it with each other and it's like, why are you wasting all your time doing that? We need to make change over here. Or why are you doing that when this person's hungry? All we need to do is feed them right now. And the point is not to say one's better than the other, but um, as Becky was kind of saying with prayer today, you know, we're all going to have that different kind of flavor. And when it comes to justice work, we're all going to find the space where, where God has called us to work. Um, whether that your heart is really at just getting those people out of the stream or your heart is really like, I'm going to be that advocacy person. And so the, the really the idea of this analogy is just to know that our, our personalities, our skill sets are really um, going to all look different, and we need people at all three of those levels working to bring, uh, to bring change and to bring forth these principles of, of justice. And I think um, to just kind of wrap it all up that what I kind of said at the beginning is that this work can be hard and it can be challenging, and you don't always see... Um, you know, the fruits of your labor. You don't always see the difference that you make. Sometimes it might not even be something that happens in your lifetime. Um, it might be something that you're just a small part of right now. Um, and there will be rewarding moments. Obviously, anyone who's done service work knows that, that there are rewarding moments and, and stories that touch and change you. But I think at the end of it, that we have to know the role prayer plays in that. And so prayer calls us. When we're in prayer, like Becky said, it will lead us out into our mission. But also, when the mission gets hard, too, we have to kind of go back. So it's this big circle. We need it to keep sustaining us and to keep calling us out. Maybe our mission changes. Maybe we're going to work at one of the different levels now because God's called us to something new. And so just remi a reminder that, that prayer plays um, a big role in that. So we, are, we will conclude um, with prayer here. So um, we're going to use that little green sheet as well. So you you can follow along or just listen. Okay. Before we begin, we could kind of get in the mode of prayer. Take a deep breath in, a deep breath out. Another deep breath in, another deep breath out. Notice your body. Your feet are on the ground, connected connected to the earth, connected to one another. And as we go through this prayer, as we read it and reflect, I invite you to reflect on the ways that we're all interconnected, we're all one body in Christ, and how we can use this moment of prayer and the other moments of prayer in our life to go forth and live as Christian disciples in mission. It helps now and then to step back and take a long view. The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it is beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete. 
which is another way of saying that the kingdom always lies beyond us. No statement says all that could be said. No prayer fully expresses our faith. No confession brings perfection. No pastoral visit brings wholeness. No program accomplishes the church's mission. No set of goals and objectives include everything. This is what we are about. We plant the seeds that one day will grow. We water the seeds already planted, knowing that they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces effects far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything, and there is a sense of liberation in realizing this. This enables us to do something and do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way, an opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter and to do the rest. We may never see the end results, but that's the difference between the master builder and the worker. We are workers, not master builders, ministers, not messiahs. We are prophets of a future, not our own. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We want to thank you all for coming. And um, there are a couple announcements. And this is our last session. We're not going back to the big group. So you are free to go from here. Um, we just want to thank you all for coming to Home Field Advantage today. It was wonderful to have you all. Um, if you would do us a huge favor, at the very bottom of your name tag, there's a website. Um, there you will find the evaluation for today. Um, we really do take these things seriously, and we appreciate your feedback, and we really take it into consideration when we plan next year's conference. So if you would take the time to do that, we would really appreciate it. And while you have this in your hand, if you could remove the lanyard, you are welcome to take your name part home, but if you could put the lanyard in the basket back there. So we are being green and going to reuse these. Um, that would, uh, we would appreciate that. And then finally, I know Adam or Becky mentioned it earlier, but there's two more events. If you enjoyed Becky today, um, there's a half-day retreat on Monday morning, and there's an evening reflection on Monday evening. So if you'd like to come to either of those, we'd love to have you. And then finally, do not forget your children. If they are in child care, please go get them. <laughs> We are not keeping them past 12.40, 12.30. All right, thank you for coming, everybody. Bye-bye.